We are going to be in Psalm chapter 73, if you have not been there uh, today, Psalm chapter 73, and share a few thoughts, really just continue on the message. So this would be actually sub-points from point number five um, as we look into the scriptures today, but aren't you thankful that we have hope? Aren't you thankful that, listen, someone uh, texted me this week, and you can probably figure out who it was in relationship to their grandmother and the diagnosis, and, and uh, I said, I'm thankful for heaven, and I'm thankful for Jesus. And I got a text back that said, I, I can't even imagine what I'd be feeling right now if I didn't have Jesus. And uh, he makes a difference in a person's life. And um, I'm thankful for that. And uh, it's more than, more than just a feeling, but I'm glad that it feels good and uh, thankful. And so Psalm chapter 73, and uh, we ended with verse number 17. So I'm going to start with verse number 17 and read down through the end of the chapter. Asaph, he's writing this, this psalm here. He says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God... Then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image." Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they are, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Now, just to recap, and I will not re-preach the message from this morning, but we preach this morning on the subject matter of when wickedness abounds and the society and world that we live in today. And Asaph begins in verse number two, and I want you to see, because he's looking at the Lord, first of all, and says the Lord truly is good to Israel and even to suchers of a clean heart. So he knows that God is good through all of this. But then he goes in and describes himself. He says in verse number two, but as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. And we looked at the characteristics of the wicked this morning, and we ended with looking at verse number 17 on the priority of our focus 
on the Savior, that we can spend all of our time looking at the wickedness around here. And, and I had several walk up to me afterwards and say, I just don't understand, uh, like what you said, Pastor, how that, that in the middle of a parade on Wednesday celebrating a Super Bowl that people can get angry enough at each other and start shooting each other and pull out a gun and and then the innocent bystanders just there to be able to celebrate and uh, nine or ten children that were injured in all of that but then it's it's not just committing evils like that but yet we see that it is celebrated and we see that it's championed and uh, we see that those are the people that are exalted across our society. And so we can dwell on that, or we can do what Asaph did, and we can choose to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and choose to focus on our Savior. And I'll say this, that's the, the choice that, by God's grace, that I am going to make each and every day of my life, that I'm going to choose, yes, there's wickedness that abounds all around us, but I'm going to choose to focus on my Savior. And I'm going to choose to focus on Christ, and that there is a better day that's coming. And so don't be discouraged. And so you say, well, how can we... Um, focus on our Savior. Well, the first part, and I just touched on it, first of all, we see in verse number 17, we see the sanctuary of his people. And I touched on it at the end of the message, but that's where I'm going to start off today, is that I believe we need a renewed importance of the sanctuary, of the church house, of coming together for the cause of worshiping the Lord and praying together, bearing one another's burdens, and for the preaching of the word of God. There was a reason in the Old Testament that God's house where he met with his people was called a sanctuary. Now, the world has taken this, and if I were to say, are you in your safe space right now? People would chuckle at that. You know why? Because they've taken that and totally redefined it and misapplied it today. But can I remind us that's exactly what a sanctuary ought to be. And a sanctuary of my God ought to be a place that we come into. And yes, we're free from everything that is outside these four walls. We're free from, listen, we ought to be able to walk in here and not have to worry about what's taking place. One of the hardest things there is, is to be able to walk in church and to be able to get your mind and your heart and your emotions focused on worshiping the Lord. That's why I don't think that just going to church ought to be just a last-minute decision that we check it off and say, okay, I've got it from 10 to 11 and from 12 to 1, and I'm just going to walk in church. Because listen, if it's just a to-do list, then the whole purpose of a to-do list is to accomplish it and move on to the next thing. And I don't believe that's how we ought to be approaching, but we've gotten into such a, a formal attitude and spirit about church today that people can take it or leave it. That's not how we ought to approach the sanctuary of God. 
It ought to be for assembling together as the Bible teaches us throughout the New Testament of coming together to be able to bear one another's burdens, to be able to pray one with another for the preaching of the word of God and for fellowship together. That ought to be the purpose of why we come together. And I'm thankful for that. Now, listen, just because some may minimize the importance of church today does not mean that it's going to be minimized from this pulpit. I still believe church is important. I still believe we ought to be assembling together. I don't think that it ought to be a a take it or leave it, that if we're part of Granite State Baptist Church, I believe we ought to be coming together. You say, why is that? It's based off passages like this that we read over in the book of Hebrews where it says that we ought to be assembling, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. He was saying, listen, some are already starting to forsake as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. So as we see the end of times, as it's been mentioned several times, listen, things are ramping up for the end of the world. As we see that approaching, we ought to be getting together more. You know why? Because this type of crowd right here, and I'm talking about believers, I'm talking about what we have in common with are getting fewer and fewer out there in the world. And so listen, if you go spend all them days out there and you're not around Christians, you ought to be walking back in saying, listen, I just need to be around some believers. And it ought to be a sanctuary that we walk in, leave all that stuff out there. Do you know what I try not to do? And and, and I made mention, we have some of our state reps that come to the church here. And I believe if you were to go up and ask them on how many times I've cornered them and talked to them about bills and things that's going on while they're here at church. I don't do it. You know why? They need to be able to walk in, sit down, sing songs of worship to the Lord, and be able to worship the Lord. They need a place. One of the reps, not here, but somewhere across our state, made the statement that she went to her church. And she was there on a Saturday night, go figure, New Hampshire, Saturday night having a bean supper. How many ever went to a bean supper when you were growing up at a church on a Saturday night? Okay. I don't know how many. They wrote songs about it up in Maine where I was from. And, uh, but went to a, a bean supper on a Saturday night. And a lady walked up and said, boy, it's good to see you here. And then she paused and she said, well, I guess you kind of got to be here to be able to work the crowd in politic. And she walked in, she looked at me, she said, pastor, That's my church family. That's where I'm a member. And our church was getting together for fellowship, but it was taking, oh, you got to be here to be able to work the crowd in politic. No, we need a place to be able to come together. It ought to be a sanctuary. Don't ever minimize the importance in a wicked world of what church needs to be for your family. Don't ever minimize it. That's where I should go off and preach a third message (laughs) and preach on families, husbands, be the leader, get your wife in church, get your family in church. Some say it's a Saturday night decision on whether you're going to go to church on Sunday morning. You know, I try not to be out till 10, 11, 12 o'clock on a Saturday night. Sunday's coming. If If I told you my schedule for a Sunday morning... 
You'd say, man, I'm not even rolling out of bed till 8.30 so that I can get there for 9 o'clock. Sunday morning's one of my favorite times. I get to be here. I get to be around here. Not because I have to, even though I do have to. (laughs) But I get to be here. Listen, it's a decision made long before 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. And you say, well, how can I get my focus? Can I talk to you about focus coming into church? Don't wait till the last minute. Hey, what what would be wrong with families praying together on Sunday morning saying, God, would you prepare our hearts as we walk into church? What if you prayed before you came to church? What if on the way to church, what if the family, instead of arguing and fighting with each other and the husband honking the horn for 20 minutes out in the driveway, come on, we're going to be late, honking the horn saying, get going, and then you don't talk to each other all the way to church. What about helping your wife get the kids ready for church? What about getting the car warmed up? What about singing Jesus loves me, this I know on the way to church on Sunday morning? Why not help get your kids in an attitude and a spirit of worship to the Lord and getting their spirits kind of calmed a little bit instead of you working them all up for 20 minutes coming to church and turning them loose in Sunday school class? Then Garrett and Shannon have to deal with them back there. Miss Dale has to deal with them back there when you just wound them up for the past 20 minutes and they're walking in with a bad attitude and mad at the world. Why not get in the spirit of worship before you even get here? Praying and saying, Lord, what would you have for us? The sanctuary of his people. Now listen, can I remind us of this? You must stay in church in order to be faithful in church. Anyway. I want you to see what he says here. You notice he started off in verse number two. Here's what Asaph said. He said, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. But what he said about them in verse number 18, he said, surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Now, I want you to see a couple things. First of all, we looked at the sanctuary of his people. But then I want you to see, second of all, I want you to see the security of his presence. He comes down through. In fact, he's talking to the Lord in verse number 20 and saying, Lord, when you wake up, you're going to see this. That's exactly what he said in verse number 20. You ever felt like God sleeping on you? Now, remember, we preached it this morning that the perplexity of the faithful saints are saying, God, do you even know about this? And then Asaph says this in verse 20, as a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. God, when you wake up and see this, let me ask you something. Has God ever slumbered or slept? Do you think God knows exactly what's going on here in our society? Now, listen, you say, How, what's that about the security of his presence? Keep reading. He says, thus my heart was grieved, verse 21, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me. By my right hand. Now think about that. Here he is. He's saying to the Lord, Lord, when you wake up and see this, you're going to despise it. Lord, I'm telling you, hey, wake up, Lord. You need to see all that. Look what's going on. He said, boy, I was foolish. 
saying this stuff. He said, nevertheless, Lord, through all of that, you're continually with me. Well, aren't you thankful? How many ever read, and it's probably some people here, your favorite poem. How many ever read the poem Footprints? You know what he says all the way down through there? He said, listen, it was during that time. He, he, he starts rebuking God. God, where were you? God, I'm th going through the tough times. God, you left me there. And I turn around, there's only one set of footprints. God just lets him get all done, doesn't he? Let's him finish all his ranting. God, when you get back with me, you're going to see all this. My child, it's not that I left you. You only saw one set of footprints because I was carrying you. And you weren't even the one making the footprints in the sand. Nevertheless, I'm continually with thee. The security of his presence. Can I remind us that no matter how bad things get and how much wickedness abounds out here, that for those of us that are the children of God, God never leaves us nor forsakes us? Hey, I said it today. Miss Leah was holding her little baby back there. And I said, listen, I said, it's okay to be able to raise children in this generation. I said, because the same God, I said, that helped my parents raise children and helped their parents raise children. And the same book they did it by, listen, we can raise children in this generation and have God's faithfulness. He'll be with us just as much as he was with the previous generations. And boy, I'm thankful for the security of his presence. I'm continually with him. And then he said this in verse 24. He said, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Do you understand that while he's walking through now, he's with us holding our right hand is what Asaph said. And I just pictured it. We're on the, we're, uh, God's on our left hand side, my right hand side. I'm on his left and he's holding my right hand is what Asaph is saying as he's going through life. I was holding me by my right hand. You'll guide me with your counsel. But then he says this, you'll receive me to glory. Now, talk about continued presence in order to receive him to glory. Guess what? Jesus has to be there. So even through all of that, he's walking with us now. He's carrying us now. And then when it's time to cross over, he's on the other side receiving us. Never a time because of the security of his presence. He guides us with his counsel. Then I want you to see the third thing down here in verse number 26. Yes, we have the sanctuary of his people and we ought to be here. That ought to make such a difference. I do feel sorry for people today who don't have a church family. It was said this week that one of our ladies was counseling with another lady and uh, she, she made the statement. She said, well, I just, I just feel all by myself and I, just, I have no one around. And I don't know what to do and everything. And our lady looked at her and said, that's why you got a church family. Now, here's the thing. She said, you got to let us be your church family. I found out that there's people who don't have a church family. It's not the church family's fault. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, not our fault. Let us be a church family. Let us love on you. That's what was said to them. They're not here today. <coughs> but we'll find out. You know something? It'll probably, hey, it's been a rough week. 
boy, I wish you were here. We could have prayed with you. We could have, ladies could have hugged your neck. They could have, they could have helped you and encouraged you and, and, and help you on down the road. Aren't you thankful for the sanctuary? I, I keep coming back, but for some reason, God's got that on my heart today, the sanctuary and making sure we're faithful to it. The security of his presence. But then he says that he's the strength of my portion. Verse number 26, he says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You ever, you ever come to the end and say, God, I, I just don't have any more to give? Now, the previous verse, Asaph makes mention of this. He says, whom have I in heaven but thee? There's no one in heaven that I have beside you, Lord, and there's none upon earth that I desire beside thee. God, you are my all in all. God, whether it be heaven or whether it be on earth, you are all that I have and you are all that I want. You are my strength and my portion. God, when I fail, my flesh and my heart faileth. You ever just come to the end of your rope? Which president was that said, when you get to the end of your rope, just tie a knot and hang on? <clears throat> just tie a knot and hang on. You say, but pastor, that's where I'm at right now. Then tie a knot and hang on. Some people get to the, get to the, get to the rock bottom and they ask you to throw them a shovel and they keep digging. I'm thinking at some point you got to quit digging. At some point, tie a knot in the rope and hang on and start climbing back. But he says, when my flesh and my heart faileth, when I've come to the end of it all, God, you're all I've got. I don't know who it was. I've seen it about four times on social media. Some may understand in the situation of life that they're putting it out there. Some may just think it's a cute saying and they're putting it out there. I don't know the, the underlying reasons, reasons beside it, behind it. Someone put a statement out there on social media that said, uh, I finally looked at God today and said, I quit. I can't do this. And God replied, good, now I can do it through you. Amen. I've seen it about four or five times going around social media, and I'm thinking, okay, whether, whether they're at the end of their rope or, or some think that's just a, a cute statement to be able to put out there, God's so desiring, and I, I'm not saying I'm hoping you get to the end of your rope. But before we get to the end of our rope and our flesh and our heart faileth, it would do us so good to realize that God is the one that's desiring to be able to work through us. He is our strength. He is our portion. Now understand, the context of Scripture is in the midst of wickedness when Asaph is writing this. And in the midst of all that, Asaph says, you're the only one I've got in heaven. No one else here on this earth I desire. When my heart and my flesh faileth me, you're my strength. You're my portion. You're what's been allotted to me. God, you are everything that I have. The strength of my portion is none other than the Lord. Now listen, you may be sitting here today and say, Pastor, because of the wickedness and everything that's going on, I have no more strength. I have nothing else to be able to continue on. Then ask God to be able to help you take the next step. Do you understand sometimes it's not about the whole marathon that's laid out in front of you? 
And I know there's some that are seated here today and you'll understand exactly what I'm saying, that sometimes it is God that just gives you the strength to put your feet on the floor and take one more step tomorrow. But guess what? He's willing to do it. He's willing to. He's our strength. If you're failing today in your strength and your flesh and your heart, he's saying, listen, let God do it through us. But then here's where I want to get to and I want to close today if we wind it down in this chapter of Scripture. He says in verse 27 and 28, here's the end of the wicked and here's the end of Asaph. He says, for lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Listen, if you're away from God, now I'm not talking about you're going to lose your salvation, but if you're away from God, listen, everything that you're doing, you're going to have a worthless life. Worthless. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. I don't believe the Bible made a mistake in what word was being used there. Going a-whoring is the, the passion and the, des- the desire for unfaithfulness for something that is not yours. That's the end of the destruction of the wicked there. But verse 28 is the end of Asaph. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, and look at this, that I may declare all thy works. He closes out after he has said the purpose of their speech, the pride that they are clothed with, the perplexity that faithful servants of God have by saying, God, why are you allowing this? The prosperity of their desires as he looks at all of that. He says, I'm glad I went to the sanctuary. I'm glad I've got your security. I'm glad you're my strength. And here's what I'm going to finish with, the speaking of his praise. You know, it would do us good. We can sit around all day long and complain about everything that's going wrong around us. How many here, now be honest, if I, if, 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 if I asked you for something to complain about, you'd have something you could get within 30 seconds. How many of y'all have something? You could do it in two. That's why you're on the front row. You're excelling. Okay. We could do it. How you doing today? Well, can't complain. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Every one of us can sit around and we can complain. Now, what is being talked about here in, in, in Psalm 73 is the situation of the wicked that's all around them. But he closes out the whole chapter. Now, listen, he writes 74 too. You can go back. He didn't get completely over this in 73, okay? God helps him again in 74. The same way with us. Listen, we come to the end of the day and say, man, it's great. I'm going to close out by speaking his praise. Wake up in the morning complaining. He's talking about the wickedness and the situation and the wicked that are abounding and prospering on every side. You notice who he's drawing near to? He doesn't say, I want to draw near to the wicked, because he knows how they're going to end up. 
You see, many times we say, okay, if we can't beat them, we might as well join them. That's not how it ought to be with the wicked. Well, that's just the way he is, and I'm amazed. This will be my fourth message for today. I'm amazed at how much condoning of wickedness and sin that's in society today is being condoned inside churches. Well, you know, that's just their lifestyle choice, and if they want to make that choice, then that's fine. It, it just doesn't bother me. Now, hold on. That's blatant sin against the word of God. It ought to bother us. Back to my other message. It do us good to look all around us, not draw near to the wicked, but draw near to the Lord. Why? The speaking of his praises. Why don't we spend time praising the Lord? instead of complaining about the wicked. Because I found out one can make a difference. You ever found out that you can walk up to wickedness? And I, I've, I've done this. You can walk up to wickedness and explain why it's wickedness. And they laugh at you and turn around and walk off. What good is it going to do? I believe Jesus mentioned that in the New Testament about something about casting our pearls before swine. You think they're really going to enjoy it? I mean, cast out some pearls there. I mean, such a, such a priceless item and pure thing. Throw it out there in the pig pen to the swine. They'll watch where they step. They, they want to make sure that that's all polished up and looking nice. No. They're going to trample it under feet and not give any regard to it whatsoever. So in some cases, listen, I'm not wasting my breath. But I will tell you what will make a difference. Bible says that the Lord inhabiteth the praise of his people. Now you want to draw nigh to God? We have the promise, you know it. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. How do we draw nigh to God? It's good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. I just want to praise God for who he is and his working in our hearts and lives. Well, I want to thank him for that. I want to praise him for it. Why do you think we take some time to be able to give praises and testimonies to the Lord? Because I don't think we do it enough during the week. What if husbands, wives, before you're allowed to yell at each other when you get home at night, you set a rule, okay, before you can yell, before you can complain, we have to praise the Lord for something. I wonder if that would just change some things in homes today. We can dwell on the wickedness. We can dwell on everything that's around us. But I just wonder if we decided that we're just going to be speaking his praise. And we're just going to be praising the Lord. You say in spite of everything that's going on around us? Yeah. You say, well, there's no place I can do that except for in the sanctuary. You got it. They might not want to hear it. Another reason to be faithful. Be able to come together and ask the Lord. Keep praising God through all of it. Stay in church and around his people. And stay close to God. I believe that's what he desires. When wickedness abounds and you're perplexed and you're wondering, God, do you even see what's going on? God, when you wake up and see this... <laughs> 
Now, am I the only one that's ever said, God, you got to be sleeping through this? How many of you ever were watching a show, watching a movie, and you slept through the greatest part? And you're like, I missed all of it. God's not sleeping and thinking he's missing all of it. It's on our side that we're saying, God, when you wake up and see this boy, you're going to be mad. No, he knows what's going on. Let's just keep praising him anyway. Let the wicked roar. The end's coming. Destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors? Don't worry, God will take care of things. What's our responsibility? Let's be found faithful. Let's keep praising Him. Be where we're supposed to be. You'll understand a few more things if you get into the sanctuary. That's what he said in verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Let's stay where we're supposed to be. Keep praising the Lord. Who He is when wickedness abounds. Stay with Jesus. One step in front of the next. Say, God, you're my strength. I can't make another step. Let God do it. Let God do it through us. Do the next thing. You know what's right.